Hello, everyone. I'm Lacey. Hi, guys. I'm Bailey. And I'm Drew. And we're sarcastic, so let's get sinister. Everybody. I like um your shirt, Bailey. Thank you. I tie dyed it myself. You did? Yeah. Nice. It was um so my hospital turned one years old last month. Just so one year, not one years. Shut up. Um so we had a like whole like party and everything for like the week of um and we did like a seventies theme, so we brought tie dye. So I got to tie-dye a shirt. I told mom that I thought that uh, my children would really enjoy Mm tie-dyeing their own shirts. Um, But we haven't gotten around to doing that. I like the the black with the bleach. I feel like that's the simplest way to do it. And it looks cool. Have you guys seen any of the videos of people who do like the super crazy detailed tie-dye designs? No. no, but okay. that was what I, I was like. Was see, yeah. <laughs> no, I was trying to go for like that when I was doing this at work. I was like, oh, I'll do like a cool like thing. Did not happen. Tie dyeing <laughs> is really hard. Um, yeah. And all of my colors blended together. Like I did a bunch of different like shades of blue and like. What purple. color was the shirt to start? White. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know white, if you went crazy with the blue. No, white with just like a logo on it. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. But I've also... My shirt's tie-dye, too. I just noticed. Hey. <laughs> I've, uh, I saw someone tie-dye a black shirt with bleach. And then they were going for, like, kind of like a... um, They called it, like, a cow color. So, like, yeah. black, brown, and white. I saw that um, video, too. Yeah, and they, like, neutralized the bleach. And that was cool. Yeah. Anyway. Right. What, are we, what are we doing today? I have no I'm going to finally so. give you guys the final installment of our Doomsday Mom series. What has gotten Thank a little bit out of hand here. God. Where where did we leave off? Where we left off was September of 2019. And September 8th was the last day that Tylee was seen when Alex and Lori took Tylee and JJ to Yellowstone. And September 22nd is the last day that JJ is seen when a couple of people are gathered at Lori's or doing a podcast and Alex walks in holding JJ and he was asleep and nobody saw him after that. And that was where we left off. Can I side note real quick? Mm-hmm. They like, they don't, if they, like, it's just weird that they took the kids to Yellowstone and like, didn't kill them there. When I, I um, when it's I was Yellowstone, reading it and like, it said that huge. they took them to Yellowstone, I actually thought they were going to say later that Tylee's body was found in Yellowstone. Um, because, I mean, that's Yellowstone's massive. Yeah. And people have 
died in Yellowstone. You can easily leave a body out there that takes a while to get found. We could have a whole episode of all the people that have gone missing in, in national parks. I'm pretty sure that there's oh, like a series. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure that I think there's a podcast on it. There's too. a podcast that does but that like, I got hooked on recently. But I picked up a book last week. We were um, in Big Bend in Texas. And I picked up a book called Death in Big Bend. And it's a collection of stories of people who have mm-hmm. um, died. There are a couple like successful rescue stories, but it's a lot of stories of people people who have gotten lost or dehydrated or whatever and died in the park. And I guess there are these death in books for most of the parks. And I'm going to start picking them up because they're very interesting. Okay. You're going to have a weird library at home. <laughs> yes. And I'm excited for it. Well, so. Sorry. Okay. You do. You've got like your. Um, well, Bailey does common superstitions. You do urban legends. You could also do yeah. um, national park stuff, you know, spooky parks. Yeah. But, um, um, well, oh, never mind. I was gonna say I'm starting a little part on that stuff, but I'm not Ooh. covering national parks. Okay. So, I am. Um, at least not in this. Are we country. gonna? Are we talking about what what we have planned? Because. I am dying to tell you guys about my next one and then also the next one. I mean, sure. I think my next one is David Parker Ray. So that's going to be a doozy. Yeah. That's in, um, that'll come out two weeks after this episode. Mm-hmm. But next and that, week. That might be a two-parter. I just feel like we've been listening to Lacey talk for like four weeks now. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's been longer. It feels I'm like making. It. I'm making up for my minimal contribution previously just in one go well there you go you're really hitting it i'd like to point out that like this is episode this will be episode 38 Woo! my last episode was episode 31 so i'm due for one and i'm very excited episode your last episode was common superstitions episode 33 oh so Doomsday Mom has been 34, 35, 36, and 38. Not counting oh, Sinister sisters. sisters. I forgot about the sisters. Yeah. Anyway, I'm just saying I'm very excited to listen to myself talk. Oh, good, good. I'm very excited well, to tune you out when you talk. Perfect. Lacey, you want to take it away? Yes. Um, so since I left you guys off with the last days that Tylee and JJ were seen, you might be expecting me to dive into their deaths, but I'm not going to. Because oh, despite J- um, Tylee being 16 when she died and JJ being 7, nobody, I should have said when she went missing, nobody noticed that they went missing for a while. It was not an immediate you. thing. I feel like hmm? most people know that the outcome yeah, it's I think it's and I think if you don't, you're you're reading between the lines as you're listening, um, and you so figured you should out. Have said spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler I mean, alert. We're we're already at like two murders slash deaths, so yeah, yeah. It, it's not looking good for anybody. And I said the... it was the last time they were seen, so. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm not, not going to dive into place. what happened to them yet because nobody knows that they're missing yet. So September 22nd was the last day JJ was seen. September 24th was Tylee's birthday. She would have been 17. Um, Lori called JJ's school and said that he would be staying with his grandparents until at least the end of October, so not to expect him. 
Um, and later, a nanny called Lori, a nanny that Lori had used just one day a couple weeks before to see if she would be needing her again soon. And Lori said, no, J.J. was going to be spending a month with his grandmother while Lori vacationed in Hawaii. September 28th, Colby texted Tylee to wish her a happy belated birthday. He did receive a response from her phone, and it didn't sound like her. And he kept, over the next couple days, texting her and asking her to call him and trying to call her, and she would not answer the phone, would not call him, kept kind of, like, putting it off, and eventually stopped answering him. And he said the texts were not like her the way that, you know, when you text with somebody often, you know how they text. He said it did not seem like Tylee. Um, end of September, sometimes, Melanie Gibb. Hmm? Sorry, sometimes I wonder if you guys would notice if <clears throat> I wasn't texting you. I think so. I feel like I feel like I don't. I, don't I mean, you give like pretty pretty long text messages, so I feel like if someone were to like use shorthand instead of spelling out words, that would give it away. Because mm-hmm. I, I like to be very I think I think there's little things that would feel off. Yeah, maybe like you'd see it and you'd be something in your gut would be like, This is not right. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna hope for. Are anyway. you planning on getting taken soon, or you just gotta be prepared, you know? Oh, okay, yeah. why don't we make a safe word? Okay, like oranges or right something. now, you know while what? everybody's listening. Yeah, I was gonna say, Why don't we not <laughs> share the safe word? Let's while text everybody... it. <laughs> well, Everybody's listening because then the, you know the safe word of the week is <laughs> the purpose of the safe word. No, it's ev- it's a collective safe word for everybody. Yeah, but then if like someone if he's like call and tell her to meet at or give you all the money or something, and I go I'm on the phone I'm like Bailey, I need you to just go to the ATM. Don't even bother picking up the pineapple at the store. Just go to the ATM and transfer all the money. And then he was like, pineapple! And then I got shot in the head. But, so, to to be fair, pineapple, I feel like, is a very common safe word now. And That's why it popped in my head so quickly. And the other thing that I just thought of, that, like, if you told me that, at first I'd be like, what the fuck is she talking about a pineapple? Exactly, but it would stick out. It might take me like an hour. You'd already be dead at that point. But assuming you're maybe assuming. we'd find your killer faster if you said the mm-hmm. word. Anyway. I honestly would probably just be like, "It's Gregory." <laughs> <laughs> I'd be dead, but you'd know who did it. Mm. Okay, cool. Lacey? So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, end of September also, Melanie Gibb texted Lori and asked what was going on with JJ because Lori had told Melanie Gibb she wasn't interested in JJ anymore. So Melanie texted and said, you know, what's your plan for him? And Lori said she had told Kay, JJ's bio grandma, that Lori had breast cancer and couldn't take care of him anymore. And she told Melanie that she had personally driven him to Louisiana and handed him over to Kay. This fall, Chad is also officially excommunicated from the LDS church which is oh, a huge man. deal, and he declares himself a prophet. Well, Chad, when you hmm. lose a church, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, Chad had also made increases on several life insurance policies he had taken out on his wife, Tammy, and they were now at the maximum legal payout. October 1st. Wait, Bailey? I 
I just have a thought for the life insurance, like, mm-hmm. industry that, like, if someone is either taking life insurance out on you or increasing your amount, like, you personally should get, like, notified because, like, then, like, oh, shit, I'm about to die. Yeah, yeah like, or, like, yeah. the insurance company should investigate that. I mean, they'll like, probably do it, like, afterwards. Yeah, but they should yep. be like, why are you so interested in raising their, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, October I don't have good feelings about Tammy. Yeah. Um, October 1st, Lori rented a 10 by 10 storage unit in the name Lori Ryan. And she, Chad, and Alex carried over, not carried over, they took boxes of JJ and Tylee's things over to the storage unit and packed them all in there. Um, also, Alex took the spare tire and the rear seat out of the back of Tylee's Jeep Wrangler. She had a green Jeep Wrangler, which was actually still registered in Charles's name. Um, Alex took out the spare tire and the rear seats and took it to the storage locker. Now that might sound really random, but that's going to be important for October 2nd. Brandon Boudreaux is her niece Melanie's ex-husband, living in Gilbert, Arizona. October 2nd, he arrives home from the gym at 9 a.m., As he's about to pull into his driveway, he notices a green Wrangler parked across the street from his house. The back window opens, and Alex Cox is aiming a rifle at him. Brandon actually thought for a split second it was just a paintball gun, and then his driver's side window shattered, and the bullet missed him by inches. He hit the accelerator. Um, The Jeep followed for a few blocks and then took off. Brandon took his kids and went to his parents' house in Utah because he was terrified. Um, he, call he, called, he called the police and they were basically okay. like, and he said he explained that like his wife had got involved in some kind of a weird cult and that this was his uncle Alex. And they were like, well, we don't know where Alex Cox is. So if you find that out, let us know. Yeah, please do the police work for us. Yeah. Um, that night, Lori logged into Charles's Amazon account, which she still had access to, and she ordered matching Malachite wedding rings. And an extra large white button-down cotton shirt and linen slacks. The next day, she helped Alex get those Jeep parts from the storage unit and put them back in the Jeep. October 4th, Tammy Daybell drove to Springville, Utah to visit her parents and her sister. Chad encouraged her to go. He encouraged her to take the trip, but he couldn't make it. He was busy. This was her first time back since they moved to Idaho, and she was very excited to see her family. She had a really great trip. She demonstrated some new steps she'd learned in her clogging class. She talked about mm-hmm. how she was training for a marathon. It was overall a fun visit, according to parents and sister. Five days later, she's back home. She's unloading groceries, and a man in a ski mask appears. She thought he had a paintball gun, um, and he shot at her several times but missed. And when she yelled for Chad, he took off running. The police basically thought that this was somebody being goofy, just a little hoax. Nothing to worry about. What is going on? I don't have any fucking idea. They don't want to be bothered, okay? They're doing their own thing. Let them be. October 19th. Also, Tammy Day- sorry. Um, I, this, I mean, it's good, but Alex sucks. Terrible shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> October 19th. Tammy Daybell died in her sleep. Chad found her in the morning with his son, Garth, his oldest son, and called 911. He told um, 
the P- the police and the EMTs when they got there that she had been ill for a while and she had been having fainting spells, which her sister said was not true. Her sister that she visited on October 4th said Tammy was in great health. She was training for a fucking marathon. Um, he said Tammy had gone to bed with a cough and had woken up around midnight vomiting. She, When she was found, she had pink foam around her mouth. This was noticed by an EMT and an officer. The coroner was deciding whether or not to do an autopsy. Chad was very against an autopsy. I don't know why he had any say, or even if he swayed the coroner at all, but eventually the coroner decided we don't need to do an autopsy, and he ruled that Tammy had died of natural causes. Yes, Bailey. What if it was, like, uh, like a religious thing that he, like, pulled? Yeah. Because there's, like, some... Re- like, there's some religions that, like, don't believe in autopsies because, like, the souls won't go to heaven or something. Yeah. Um, what if he, like, pulled, like, a card like that? That's I could true. see him doing that. Yeah. Sorry, I just, but I'm Googling something real quick. Still. Okay, so this was a Saturday. Seems a, yeah. It seems a little weird. suspicious how she died. I feel like we yeah. should have just said, well, we've got to. Yeah. So this was Saturday oh, morning. Later that morning, Chad posted, made a Facebook post about her death, said that there would be a viewing on Monday evening in Springville and a burial on Wednesday. This is really fast. She died Saturday morning, and it was very unexpected. It's different if it's, like, an elderly person who has not doing well and you expect the death. They did not expect her to die, and he already had her viewing planned for two days later and her funeral for four days later. I feel like he expected her to die. Yeah, I think somebody for sure. Also, he's with the preparing of people, right? Did I say that right? Mm-hmm. He's prepared for everything, Lacey. Yes. Come on. She, you've got to be. Like, that's that's Correct. his job. Doomsday is coming. Yes. Uh, the next day, he did have a small service in Rexburg as well. Friends who hadn't seen him in a while were surprised by how good he looked. Under Lori's supervision, he had lost 50 pounds and was looking pretty good. Oh, wow. Yeah. A few days after Tammy's funeral, Chad and Lori bought tickets to Hawaii. On October 27th, Brandon Boudreaux was very frustrated by nothing happening after he was shot at. And he hired a private investigator to find Alex. Because the police said, we can't do anything until we know where Alex is. So he said, fine. We'll do it this way then. He told the investigator he had a million dollar life insurance policy and his ex-wife Melanie, Lori's niece, was still the beneficiary of that policy. Um, Notice that people who have life insurance policies where like doomsday people are the beneficiaries keep dying or almost dying. The next money to give to the cult. Yes. And, you know, they had that plot of land they wanted to buy and start building up. The next day, Melanie signed a lease on a townhouse where Lori and Alex lived. So they were, now you've got Lori, Alex, Melanie Gibb, and niece Melanie all moving into the same complex. Um, niece Melanie and Alex flew to Arizona to pack her stuff up, and the private investigator was tipped off by a neighbor that she was there. So he was able to sneak a tracker on the U-Haul and was able to finally locate them in Rexburg. The Gilbert police contacted Rexburg and asked them to seize the Jeep. And at this point, a Detective Ray Hermosillo, who's a detective in Rexburg, Idaho, began surveillance on Lori. 
November 3rd, Sunday, November 3rd, Lori and Chad check into Kauai Beach Resort. They contacted a Hawaiian wedding company and scheduled a simple beach wedding on November 5th. They wanted to be legally married as soon as possible. The people that they dealt with in this wedding company said Lori was clearly in charge here. Chad was kind of along for the Mm -hmm. ride, but Lori was making the decision. She was doing all the talking. On their wedding day, Lori was in a flowing white dress. Chad was wearing a white button-down cotton shirt and linen slacks. And they exchanged malachite gemstone wedding rings, all of which was bought by Lori from Charles's Amazon account before Tammy Daybell died. She bought that stuff. I lost my place. Oh, October 2nd. Before and Tammy died on October 19th. Um, they emailed a realtor. Crazy. Yeah. Almost like they knew it was going to happen. They emailed a realtor. I think that's quiet. Didn't, didn't she say she had like visions of Charles dying before he died? Yeah. She had a vision. He was going to die like before 2018 was over. And then she was upset. He didn't. Chad said months before he had visions about Tammy dying in like a car accident or something. Wow. Well, maybe... Lori had a vision about Tammy's death and was like, better be prepared because yeah, preparing know. the people. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Mm, um, they Chad. emailed a realtor about a house on the island of Kauai and they described themselves as a clean couple with no pets or children. That night, mm. Kay Woodcock is on her computer and realized that her brother Charles had logged into his Amazon account on her computer. And she opened up orders and saw that wedding rings had been ordered a month before from this account and discovered Rexburg, Idaho was the address that things were being sent to. So now she knows where Lori is because remember Lori has cut Kay and Larry off from FaceTiming with JJ months ago and Kay didn't know where they were, but now she knows they're in Rexburg. November 7th, niece Melanie and her uncle Alex show up at Brandon Boudreaux's parents' house. She gets in the garage. She's banging on the door to the house, demanding to be let in. Um, Brandon's father called the police and said, my son's ex-wife is here trespassing. She's arrested for criminal trespass and domestic violence. Next day, Alex posts bail. They head back to Rexburg. Middle of November, Chad calls Tammy's sister, Samantha, and said he had gotten married. She was shocked. She thought grief was clouding his judgment and that this was some kind of a snap decision that he had made. He told her that his new wife, Lori, knew what he was going through because she had lost her husband to a heart attack. Mm. He also introduced Lori to his parents. Lori told them that her daughter had died a year earlier and she was an empty nester. Mm. November 25th, Kay called the Gilbert police about JJ. Um, not Gilbert, Rexburg police about JJ. She said, you know, this is my biological grandson. We haven't had contact with him in months. I'm very worried about him. They asked Detective Hermosillo to do a welfare check on JJ. Now, he had already been doing surveillance on Lori, remember? So he and another detective Mm -hmm. went to Lori's house. Alex opened the door. Chad was also there. They said that Lori was out. Hermosillo asked about JJ, and Alex just looked at Chad, and neither one of them said anything. He asked again, and Alex said he's with his grandmother, Kay Woodcock, in Louisiana. And Hermosillo said, that's unlikely, because she just called us for a welfare check on JJ. Um, He asked them for Lori's phone number, and they both claimed they didn't have her number. 
Um, they then went and knocked at Alex's house, at Melanie's house. She didn't answer. They ended up getting a search warrant and went back later, and Lori answered this time. She said JJ was with her friend Melanie Gibb in Arizona. She went on this whole rant about how her brother Adam had been working with her late husband Charles to kill her for her life insurance, and her sister-in-law Kay got Charles's life insurance, and she wanted to seal JJ for her, and that's why she doesn't tell anybody where she lives. It was just like this weird rant, and the police didn't really know what to make of it. Um, the detective asked who Chad was, you know, who was that guy with your brother when they opened the door when we came before? And she said, oh, that's my brother's friend. But they already knew she had a thing going with Chad because they had been watching her. They had her under surveillance. Um, Chad, in the meantime, called Melanie Gibb and said, hey, the police from Rexburg are going to call you. Do not answer the phone. So they called Melanie when she didn't answer. Lori told the police, oh, they're probably at the movies watching Frozen 2. And they told her, okay, well, have Melanie call us. Tell her to call us. So Lori calls Melanie and says, hey, I need you to tell the police you have JJ and that you took him to the movies. Take a picture of kids running around so that it looks like you're out somewhere with JJ and other kids. Melanie said that Lori was very cheerful and upbeat on the phone and wouldn't answer her questions as to why she had to do this. So police called again. Melanie ignored the call, but then she called them back and she did lie. And she said that she had JJ. Um, they drove to her house then where she was still in Gilbert, Arizona, and she wasn't there. They called her again. And this time she told the truth that she didn't have JJ, but Lori had told her to say that she did around midnight. Lori and Chad had left their house. So when the police went back, they were gone. They got a search warrant for Lori's house, Alex's house, niece Melanie's houses. There was nothing but furniture left in Lori and Alex's house. They found out about the storage unit, checked that, and found all of Tylee and JJ's stuff in there. They went to Colby and asked if he had seen his siblings, and he was like, what are you talking about? Um, he called Lori, and she said, don't worry, I've taken care of it, everything's fine, but she wouldn't tell him where the kids were. Chad and Lori spent Thanksgiving at Knott's Berry Farm, which is an amusement park in Southern California. Um, that weekend, her niece, Melanie, married a guy named Ian Pulowski that she had met days before on an LDS dating site. Like, days before she and this Ian guy met, and they got married in Vegas. And Melanie, that night on her wedding night, starts telling Ian all this crazy shit about the cult and all their beliefs. And he thought it was kind of fun and not that serious. He thought it was like Dungeons and Dragons, like it wasn't a legit thing to be worried about. Um, but after hearing about the zombies and seeing that his wife really believed in some of this stuff, he started to get a little bit worried. So he actually texted his ex-wife and asked her to look into Melanie, which I think is a little bit crazy. First of all, I think if you're willing to marry somebody you met a couple days ago, that in itself is a little crazy. But then texting your ex-wife to look into your current wife because your current wife's freaking you out. That's fun. Mm -hmm. So his ex-wife, Natalie, learned about um, Brandon Boudreaux and how he had been shot at and Melanie had been arrested. And she called Ian and was like, I think you married a crazy person. <laughs> so <laughs> she told him, I'm going to go to the police. And he said, okay, I'll go with you. I'll accompany you to the police because I also think things are a little bit crazy. Now, we're like looking at a bunch of different people in the same timeline here because there's so many involved. December 1st or 2nd, Lori and Chad flew to Kauai again. Lori took both the kids' birth certificates and Tylee's phones with her. At this time, she's still collecting Social Security benefits for the kids. She's still getting that $4,000 a month. 
Chad opened a new bank account in Kauai and transferred about $150,000 from Tammy's life insurance. December 3rd, niece Melanie arrived back home and discovered that the police had searched her house. She went to the police at this time, who asked her Lori's whereabouts, asked her if she knew where JJ and Tylee were, um, and she basically agreed to tell them what she knew in exchange for the domestic charge violence the domestic violence charge being dropped um, and not really getting in trouble for that criminal trespass. And she told them like a little bit of what she knew, but she didn't really know very much because she wasn't super in the loop. She later told Ian the police were possessed with dark spirits of the disciples of Cain, of Cain and Abel. Um, Natalie, Ian's ex-wife, is now in contact with Brandon, Melanie's ex-wife, and they're basically trying to gather as much information as they can about the cult to give it to the police without Melanie finding out. Ian has to very sneakily contact his ex-wife. Melanie is suspicious. She is driving Ian to and from work so that he's never alone. She's also forcing him to listen to all of these LDS Doomsday podcasts. Meanwhile, Rexburg... Idaho is like, we don't know where these kids are. Nobody has seen these kids. We need help. They call Phoenix FBI to help look for the kids. At this point, this starts hitting like national news as well. I don't remember this happening, but apparently it went super national and the whole country was like, where are the kids? Um, I remember it. Yeah, I, I, that was fall 2019. I was a little bit out of it, but I don't remember this at all until I read the book. Um, I don't the watch re- the news. Yeah, the Rexburg police listened to the podcast, like Chad's podcast and the Time to Warrior Up podcast, trying to understand them a little bit better, doing a lot of research into Lori and Chad and discovering the bodies that are connected with them so far. They set up a joint task force um, between Rexburg and Chandler, Arizona. Ian and Natalie are interviewed, and Ian agreed to try to record phone calls between his wife, Melanie, and Lori and Chad. He gave the FBI a ton of information about the cult's beliefs, including Chad's manifesto, which is super fun. It says that wizards, sorcerers, and witches existed, and it even alleged that some of the spells and curses in Harry Potter were real. Okay. He, what the fuck? I don't have any idea. You you didn't lead off with saying he has a fucking manifesto. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah, this, and uh, Harry Potter's oh there. Needs, it's not uh, wild. Well, I mean, obviously. Have you yes. have you seen the movies, Lacey? They're like cinematic gold. Isn't it? I feel Isn't like I said, it, I said it before, but I feel like he's just seeing what he can get away with. Like, what? where is the line where they stop believing him? Yeah, and apparently he hasn't found the line yet. Because <laughs> the people in the inner circle are still like, okay. This yeah, he's like, fine. let me just throw in some Harry Potter shit. Let's see if they buy that. And, and Lori's like, like, oh, oh my god, I knew it. Yes. There are two um, dragons. Oh my yeah. god. Ooh. Alex and his new wife, Zalema, moved in together in Gilbert. The pressure is mounting from the police. Alex sees that they're starting to put things together. December 7th, he drove to Mexico and bought prescription drugs. On December 8th, Melanie Gibb recorded a phone call with Chad and Lori. And I wrote in my notes, this bitch finally realized she could be in some trouble. Um, So she finally was like, I need to get out of this because they're going to take me down with them. Um, She did not know where Lori and Chad were and they wouldn't like give it up in the phone call. She asked about JJ. You can listen to this phone call because it was given in court then. 
Lori said she had to hide him because Kay threatened to kidnap him. And Melanie said, that doesn't make sense. You told me you were going to give him to Kay. Why would you have to hide him from Kay? And she wouldn't really answer any more questions about it except to say that he's safe and happy. Melanie asked why she was told to lie and said, you know, you don't ask people you love to lie for you. And Lori said it was to protect her. Refused to say where JJ was, refused to talk about Tylee. It did get very heated. And she accused Melanie of working against her and even managed to slip in there a little bit of, I don't know, maybe you're a zombie thing, which Melanie had been worried about. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that Lori probably doesn't like someone challenging her, especially Mm -hmm. since she's been so manipulative up until this point. Yeah. And Melanie has been her, like, go-to girl the whole world for months now. Yeah. I like that she was like, I don't know, man. You could be a zombie, too, if you don't knock it off. Yeah. Which was Melanie's fear. Months ago, she um, was getting nervous, but was afraid to say anything. Although I think she still could have gone to the police with her concerns, but that's none of my business. The next day, Melanie took her recording to the police. On, On December 11th, they exhumed Tammy's body. December 12th, Zulema, Alex's wife, went to work. At 3.20, her 25-year-old son called 911. He had found Alex passed out in the bathroom, gasping for breath. Zulema came home, like, while he was on 911. She started doing chest compressions, but it was too late. I wrote, "'Twas too late. no. Darn it. The medical report said bilateral pulmonary thromboemboli. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is blood clots in his lungs. Um, He had been complaining of shortness of breath for about a week. Toxicology showed caffeine and Narcan. Um, Yeah, he did. Yeah, don't know why. We do know that a couple days before this, he drove to Mexico and bought prescription drugs. Hmm. Did they, did the paramedics arrive on scene and give him Narcan? I don't know. It didn't say say that they did, but I kind of assumed that because it was... Found, and I don't know why. Um, he was was side note yeah. for anyone who doesn't know what Narcan is, it's naloxone, at, uh, a reversal for opioids um, for our listeners who aren't in the medical field. Yeah, so um, I kind of assumed that they gave that to him. But if they saw the Narcan in a system, Drew, wouldn't they like pick up on like the other drugs too? Like if he was, if they used it as a reversal. So the, what I'm thinking is that when paramedics arrived on scene, they just found him unconscious or unresponsive, and, just and usually they just, that was the cause. Yeah, because there's like no contraindications for the mm-hmm. Narcan, so it doesn't hurt to give it if you don't know why they're unresponsive. Right. It could only help. So I'm assuming that the paramedics pushed it, and then nothing happened because he wasn't overdosing. Yeah. It's weird. In 2022, his death was reviewed as any death that touched Lori Vallow was reviewed once everything came to light. Um, and natural causes still stand. I'm not super... I don't think he was murdered. Um, but I think the timing is a little sus. Sounds more self-inflicted. I, I was immediately suspicious of a suicide. Yeah, and now... I'm, I'm going to put this out there. When I read the book, it said he was found with pink foam around his mouth. And I thought that is the same thing that Tammy was found with 
why wouldn't they put that together? So I was like, let me dive into this outside of the book. And I found outside of the book that an EMT and an officer noticed the pink foam around Tammy's mouth. I didn't find that anywhere for Alex Cox. Like I could not anywhere that I searched the internet find that there was pink foam around Alex's mouth. So I don't know if the author had a source he didn't share who'd never talked to anybody else about it. Or if the author got a little bit carried away with this part here, connecting things. Um, it's in the book. I couldn't find it anywhere else. I was also assumed Alex killed himself because he saw the pressure mounting and he was like Lori's hitman. But there's nothing to indicate that. What happened also... to what Sorry. happened to the prescription drugs that he got? They didn't say anything about it. Just uh, that he went and I got was... it. Yeah, I was. Yeah. My thought was that he went picked up drugs and took them mm -hmm. yeah i'm still i know that they reviewed it and like i'm not a medical examiner or anything i'm just dissatisfied with this yeah it kind with of him just that, like, happening to have blood clots that took him out right as everything was coming to a head i don't know seems a little convenient i don't know yeah so anyway so if you're hoping for alex cox to be punished for his role in things um maybe in hell but like not here on december 19th ian niece melanie's husband broke down and confessed to her that he had been talking to the police he couldn't stay in the subterfuge anymore um and she forgave him right away and she said she understood he told the fbi that he would not help them anymore um, but he did give everything that he had learned to his ex-wife to give it to Brandon to use in his custody case against Melanie. Um, Ian and Melanie stayed married. They were fine. December okay. 20th, this is when the FBI goes public with their search for the kids. Okay, so right before Christmas, their search for the kids, the reopened death investigation for Tammy Daybell. Um, Brandon, Melanie's ex-husband, and Kay... JJ's bio grandmother had actually been in communication and they started sharing everything they knew with the media. Um, and they publicly, like the FBI publicly condemned preparing a people, the organization. Soon after this, Chad and Lori hire Rexburg law firm to represent them. And the attorney contacted the police and said they would have to go through him. Now, Michael and Nancy James, who are the like founders of preparing a people issued a statement they had removed all podcasts by Lori and Chad from their website, and they denied that they were a cult or were associated with a cult. So right now, the like cry across the country is, where are the kids? Because everybody's asking, where are the kids? Nobody's seen the kids. Lori still will not tell anybody where the fucking kids are. And this is just like when, um, remember when Charles died and she was telling everybody all these different stories? And I was like, it's crazy that she thinks she can just do that and people won't guess. It's crazy to me that she thought she could just get rid of her kids. And, like, did she think nobody was going to ask where the kids were? Like, she wasn't going to have to have a good story for it or anything? Because she just won't talk about it. Like like I said last episode, I feel like she is she spent her life being able to say one thing. And then just, like, when she went to the police and she was like, no, Charles is trying to, like, 
kill me or he's abusive and the police were just like oh yeah that makes sense i feel like she's just gotten it just always like, worked she's so used to being believed that she didn't think that she she didn't need to put an effort into lying yeah it, it's so infuriating so for people well, I'm glad like, that she didn't get away with it. without thinking about it yeah January 3rd of 2020, the police get a search warrant for Chad's property. January 5th, Larry and Kay Woodcock fly into Rexburg to be there during the search. January 25th, Kwai detectives serve Chad and Lori with a child, well, really Lori, because it's her kids, with a child protection order from Idaho. It ordered Lori to produce Tylee and JJ in Rexburg within five days. Um, they were pulled over in Kauai and given search warrants for their SUV and for their rental property. And the news, because the media is super involved now, actually caught this when Lori was, like, served with stuff. And you can watch the video when um, this interviewer, not interviewer, news person, Nate Reporter. Eaton. Yes, thank you. I could not think she's, of the word. Reporter she's Nate an English Eaton. teacher, everybody. He uh, said to Lori, you know, people around the country are praying for your kids. And Lori says, that's great. You can watch that. It's very frustrating. Colby was shocked when he saw on the news his mom honeymooning in Hawaii with her new husband that he had never heard of before while her kids are missing and refusing to give up information about the kids. He basically said, like, she, this is not the mom that I knew. I don't know what's going on. Um. At this point, even people who know Chad and Lori are now suspicious about what happened with the kids because they won't talk about it. There was also a lot of suspicion thrown at Colby because people were like, how could you not be involved? And he's like, well, I'm not. This is not my craziness. So that sucks for him while it's going on. I feel like that goes on par with like people that are like have been married to serial killers and like, how have you not known? Like, yeah, they're really good at hiding it guys yeah like, and Kobe was like I had my own whole life going on I'm married I have yeah. a girl yeah even with all the media attention because once the media found out they're in Kauai they're out there recording them like a whole paparazzi thing they're still going to the beach every day they're still honeymooning they're still oh, out there I'm Bailey sure you said the you know the, yeah sure like you found the, the pictures and stuff loving yeah. the attention Chad tended to seem a little bit nervous and uncomfortable in the videos Lori is eating it up yeah January 30th, Kay filed for emergency guardianship of JJ once he was produced. She and Larry were still really holding on to the hope that the kids were going to be found alive. Lori has not yet left Kauai, and the prosecutors went for extradition because this was the day she was supposed to produce the kids in Rexburg. That night, Chad called a friend, Christopher Parrott, or Parrett, I think Parrott, friend and founder of one of these doomsday websites, and Christopher Parrott put out this big statement that said Chad and Lori were innocent. He believes them. They, he told them, they told him the truth of what was going on. Um, he wrote on his Mormon prepper website, he was on Chad's side, that the court of public opinion was wrong and that people would have to eat their words later when the truth all came out. On February 20th, so 20 days after she was supposed to produce her kids, Lori was arrested by Kauai police for felony desertion of a child, resisting and obstructing an officer, solicitation of a crime, and contempt of court, and was held on $5 million bail. Six days later, they had a bail reduction hearing in Kauai. Her attorney said the court order to produce the children was unlawful. 
He said a quote from her attorney. It pretty much said, bring your children so that we, the government, can take the children and put them in foster care. And that's the reason she's fighting that order. So he's basically saying she's refusing to produce the kids so they don't get taken away from her. Um, they kept the bail high. They did not reduce the bail. And they got an, a waiver of extradition, which basically meant she would be extradited more quickly back to Rexburg. Uh, a couple of days later, Chad flies home because he's not arrested for anything at this point. It's not his kids. And he told a reporter the kids are safe. March 5th, Lori is flown home wearing a bulletproof vest anytime she is outside because there's so much public opinion about what's going on here. Um, an inmate who got friendly with Lori said that Lori loved the attention. She enjoyed it. She had an arraignment on March 6th wearing, she was wearing lipstick that the inmates made for her out of Jolly Ranchers. Her bail was reduced to $1 million at this time. Next week, um, Chad texted Summer, Lori's sister, and said Lori wanted to talk with her. So Summer called. Lori assured her that the kids were safe and that Lori was just protecting them. And her sister believed them, believed Lori, uh, which I, I can't fault her too much. I don't know. I can a little bit, but I feel like any of us would not believe that our siblings, like, killed their kids. So we yeah. would want to believe them when they were like, listen, they're safe. I'm protecting them. I just can't bring them out right now. Um, Lori fired mm -hmm. a bunch of her attorneys and kept one named Mark Means, who she said was her son in a previous life. <clears throat> Super now, true. Mid yeah. Mid-March, COVID hits. Um, the inmates are all being screened for the virus. And they could only meet their attorneys and a public visitor with a glass partition between them. And they had to talk through a phone system documents would be passed to a deputy who would then pass them to the inmate. And Mark means, you know, I, I don't know what he didn't like file a petition or anything, but he basically said these new COVID procedure violated Lori's rights and tried to like get her out on that. And the judge was like, all the inmates are going through the same procedures right now. She is not being singled out for anything. April 1st, Chandler police contact Maricopa County Attorney's Office and they charge Lori with conspiracy to commit first degree murder in Charles's case. So Charles was killed, you know, back in the summer of 2019. They are now finally charging somebody with this. First week of May, Janice, Lori's mom and her sister Summer interview with CBS and Phoenix. You can watch this interview defending Lori. They said the children might be missing, but they're not missing to Lori. Lori knows where the kids are. Lori wouldn't hurt the kids. Um, they did a 48 hours interview in May. Oh, this is interesting. In May, they did an interview with 40 hours. And Janice said she spoke with JJ on October 1st, which would later turn out to be a bald faced lie. On June 1st, the police are frustrated. They can't find the kids. They don't really know where else to look. They're going back through texts, and they find a text that Chad sent on September 9th to his wife, Tammy. And it said, well, I've had an interesting morning. I felt I should burn all of the limb debris by the fire pit before it got too soaked by the coming storms. While I did so, I spotted a big raccoon along the fence. I hurried and got my gun, and he was still walking along. I got close enough that one shot did the trick. He is now in our pet cemetery. Fun times. 
And the FBI then used Alex's cell phone tracking data to determine if Alex was on the Daybell property on September 9th. And he was. So on June 9th, they executed a search warrant again for the Daybell property, but this time for the land outside, not for the house. And they sectioned off where Alex Cox's phone had pinged on September 9th and September 23rd. Um, There was a pet cemetery there where the Daybell family had buried dogs from before. Um, And it pinged near the pet cemetery and in an area by the pond on the property. At 11 a.m., they found J.J.'s body. It was removed from a shallow grave near the pond. He was wearing the red pajamas that he had been wearing the night when people were overdoing their podcast at Lori's house. Chad was watching the search from his car, and he actually received a call from Lori. And you can listen to the recording of the call. Um, She says what's going on, and he said um, they're searching the yard. And he sounds very depressed. He's very quiet. She said what do you want me to do? Can I do anything? Can I pray for you? Whatever. And he was like, no, he sounds very (laughs) depressed. And a couple minutes after they find JJ's body, um, he actually takes off in his car. They catch him like by the end of the block. He doesn't get far. And they arrest him at 1130 at 1 PM. They move over to the pet cemetery where they found Tylee's remains. So I'm going to tell you guys now, what they have put together about Tylee's death and JJ's death. And for Tyle, they used Alex's cell phone data for this along with other evidence that they have gathered over time. So Tylee's death happened September 9th, September 8th was the day that they went to Yellowstone. So this is what they've, this is what they say happened. Okay. 2:24 AM. Alex was at Lori's for almost an hour and they believe that this is when he killed Tylee. At 3.37 a.m., he left Lori's house. They believe he spent an hour dismembering Tylee in his truck before going to his own house. At 8.59, he left and arrived at Chad's in his truck at 9.21. They then say that Chad dug her grave while Alex burned her dismembered body in the fire pit. The previous day, Chad had visited a weather website and checked what the wind direction would be this day. They buried her head first, and then they placed the rest of her remains in a green bucket, which actually melted and fused to her body. They placed the bucket on her head and then filled in the hole. At 11.39, Alex left, went to a taco shop for lunch, and then went home. Soon after he left, Chad texted Tammy that text about, I was burning some limb debris in the yard. Um, I shot a raccoon, so I had to bury the raccoon in the pet cemetery, which is where Tylee's body was found. Um, this was September 9th. September 24th would have been Tylee's 17th birthday. Now, for JJ's death, we don't have as much of a detailed timeline as they put together for Tylee's death. Um, he was found. He was not dismembered. He had duct tape over his mouth and looped several times around his head, chin to forehead. His ankles were duct taped together. His hands had been folded over his chest and bound at his wrists. And they said that where his hands were was basically just a ball of duct tape because they had been duct taped so much. They then wrapped the duct tape around his arms, over his hands, and over his right elbow. There's a white plastic trash bag over his head with more 
duct tape around that, and then his body was placed in a black trash bag. They said that Alex brought the body to Chad's backyard at 9.55 a.m. and spent 17 minutes where the body was found. Um, They said it would have been impossible for Alex to do this alone in this time period, 17 minutes. They then placed, JJ was placed in the grave. There were three wooden panels placed over top of his body and then three heavy white stones and the rest of the grave was filled in with dirt. Um, I would like to remind you that Chad previously was a professional grave digger and that this putting the wooden panels and then the stones on top is a way to fill in the grave so that it doesn't sink as much as things settle in. Um, At the time that the book was written, investigators had not revealed how JJ died, um, but we did learn this at the trial. So I don't dive into the trial for this, but I am going to tell you what they said as far as cause of death at the trial. So for JJ, his cause of death was asphyxiation. They said he had bruising under his fingernails on his upper arms and where he was duct taped, and they think this indicated that he tried to fight back. And he had scratches on the left side of his neck, um, and they think that's why they ended up duct taping his hands so severely because he was originally trying to scratch at his neck at the bag. Ty Lee's death was ruled homicide by unspecified means. They could not determine how Ty Lee died. Her body was brought in three separate evidence bags. They had her skull, some organs, and some bones, and that was it. Chief forensic pathologist Garth Warren took four hours to autopsy JJ, and it took him a week to autopsy Tylee because of the condition her body was brought in. So, June 9th is when their bodies were found. June 10th, Kay and Larry flew to Rexburg um, and so that they could be there when they were identified. Um, Tylee's body was actually identified by her mandible. She was not identifiable otherwise. Um, the issue that the police run into here now is that Alex Cox was obviously involved in this, but Alex Cox is dead. Um, So they need to find a way to convict Lori and Chad for this. Specifically Lori, even though they believe Alex is the one who killed both of them. So August 3rd is Chad's preliminary hearing. Um, The ruling is that prosecution has met their burden of probable cause. And after this hearing, the Mormon church broke its silence. Now, they ordered church members not to get involved in any type of court case without consulting the church's legal counsel. This is long-standing church policy, which forbids leaders from participating in criminal cases involving other members. Um, Mark Means, Lori's attorney, said that, you know, by doing this, the Mormon church had tainted things because now no members of the church are going to want to testify, like, on Lori's behalf because the church has told them not to, basically. Uh, September... Special Prosecutor Rob Wood flew to Arizona to observe interviews with Summer, um, Lori's sister, and with Zilema, Alex's wife. He had a meeting with Summer and her lawyer before the interviews, and Summer's lawyer secretly recorded this meeting. And in the meeting, the prosecutor criticized Lori's attorney, Mark Means. This lawyer, who secretly recorded it, gave Mark Means the recording, and Means tried to use this to get Wood thrown off the case. There was a lengthy hearing about it. Um, He was allowed to stay on the case, but he was reprimanded for his 
like professional behavior. And at this point, they decided the trials were going to be combined. Lori and Chad would be tried together. May, now we're moving ahead quickly. May 25th, 2021 would have been JJ's ninth birthday. Chad and Lori were indicted on first degree murder in JJ, Tylee, and Tammy's deaths. May 27th, Lori was found mentally unfit for trial. The court ordered a clinical psychological evaluation, which recommended she undergo restorative psychiatric treatment, which basically is to bring her up to the point where she is mentally fit to stand trial. The prosecutor contested the findings, but Judge Boyce halted the case until they could have a hearing about it. Um, so she was going to undergo psychiatric treatment to bring her up to the level of confidence and they would have another examination in 90 days. If she was still not fit, it would be put on hold for another 180 days. And when I read that, I thought, well, she could keep acting like she's unfit and they could keep postponing it, but that didn't end up happening anyway. Um, in June, they set Chad's murder trial for November 8th, 2021. Um, in July, his kids did an interview with 48 Hours where they were fully on his side. They said he was misled by Lori. He didn't do anything wrong. They did not believe he killed their mom. Uh, I went looking, and I haven't been able to find anything that says they have publicly turned against their father. So I don't, I don't know if they still feel this way or not, but they haven't released any kind of public statement. Um, on August 5th of 2021, it was announced that they were going to be seeking the death penalty, at which point Chad waived his right to a speedy trial. He was no longer interested in getting to it quickly. And the book said he probably won't go to trial until sometime in 2023. Uh, Lori was still undergoing treatment when the book ended. She was writing to Chad every day and dancing in her cell at night. Oh, so that is where the book ends. But as we know, we've got a little bit more, not a whole lot. Like I said, I'm not getting into the trial with you guys. But in November of 2022, Lori was found fit to stand trial. In March 2023, the judge ruled that they would be tried separately now. Lori's trial would start on April 3rd. Chad's trial would go later. Originally, both of them were facing the death penalty. However, because Lori did not waive her right to a speedy trial, even though it took like two years, three years, um, the defense said they didn't have time to fully review a large amount of information that was turned over in March, so they should take the death penalty off the table, and the judge agreed. So the judge ruled no death penalty for Lori. On May 12th, Lori was found guilty of murder and conspiracy to murder. She was given several life sentences to be served consecutively. Her attorneys wanted them to be served concurrently, and the judge said no, consecutively, no possibility for parole. I'm going to read to you guys some of Lori's comments after she was sentenced, and you're not going to love it. Mm. So, she spoke for eight and a half minutes after she was sentenced. She said, Jesus knows me and Jesus understands me. Jesus Christ knows that no one was murdered in this case. She says um, that I know for a fact that my children are happy and busy in the spirit world. She said her friend, Tammy Daybell, is also happy and busy. She said that her children and Tammy visit her in her cell. Uh, Tylee has visited me. She is happy and free now. She said JJ has visited her as an adult spirit who is tall and thriving in the afterlife. So I read that to you so you would know. Tammy, I feel, not Tammy, Lori, I feel, still feels that she has done nothing wrong. 
I think she thinks she made the right decision. Her kids are happy in the afterlife. Everything is going to be fine. And that makes me so angry. Why does she think that her and Tammy are friends? Bitch, you stole her husband. And conspired to kill her. That too. Just so I want her to like. We're all good. It's fine. Yeah. I want her to feel like the horror of what she has done. I don't think she ever will. And I don't think she will. And it's so it's care. so She's horrific. Be in prison forever. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I wrote this down, but I didn't. I hope um, she just so gets I'm... haunted every day. Yeah. Or or you know what I really hope? She mm-hmm. sees all of the prisoners that she's in with as zombies and she has to fucking live with zombies the rest of her life. I feel like How that's going to kill them. Well, I think that's an appropriate howl for her. Do you think she'd be upset if Chad were to get the death penalty? No. I think she would be like, he's happy in the afterlife and we'll find each other. Because remember, they sealed each other. They sealed yeah. together in the They've temple. also been married seven times previously, apparently. Yeah, but I think her thought is probably we'll keep finding each other. Um, Chad's trial is set for April 1st, 2024. He is still facing the death penalty. That's so far away. Mm-hmm. But it's just... It's just so horrific. I'm, I'm a little peeved that they dismembered um, Tylee. Tylee. Yeah, like, I didn't know that they did that. Like, JJ, JJ's, like, seems more, like, as terrible as it sounds, like, more merciful or, like, peaceful. Like, I mean, I know that he, like, fought back and everything, but, like, yeah. he was dismembering... fucking dismembered. Yeah, and then like, the way that they burned her so that yeah i don't understand she it like it sounded like she was on board like Like yeah she did what her mom told her to do she said what her mom told her to say and they still like destroyed her yeah yeah there's no satisfying ending here and i know when i went into this because the whole thing is really focused on Lori because she's their mom and the doomsday mom thing and worst mom in America. And Chad plays a big role. And I don't know that it came through clearly in the way that I did it in the book. It does. He played a big role in what ultimately happened. And I remember on my first read through before I kind of got to the end, I was like, why do we only hear about Lori and not Chad? And why is like Lori, the one who's made out to be the monster and not Chad so much. But like, I get it. She was their mom. You know, like, they should have been safer with her than anybody else. Yeah. And she really, regardless of the influence that Chad had on her, she still had to be willing to do this to her kids. She obviously, like, had that will or whatever in her to murder even before Chad. Yeah. I think think you have. I think it has to already be there. I don't think you can be this loving wonderful mom and then you meet somebody who's like convinces you otherwise psychopath Mm -hmm. yeah it's because she could be a serial killer she's got that in her yeah yeah but i it does sound like chad kind of understands the gravity of the situation 
Mm-hmm. He's not as delusional as her. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have, like, public statements oh. or anything from him either. Although hers was just after her sentencing, but... Yeah, uh, so that's that's the story of Lori Vallow Daybell. I didn't like I think the four weddings. Be, I think she'll be um, able to talk any inmates into joining the cult. I think she'll be able to get anybody under her wing there. Probably. I feel like that should be that right should be taken away from her, but that's probably not a right yeah. that we take away from inmates. I think she'll what, get some right to, to practice religion as you want. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, she'd definitely be able to. But I'm thinking that, like, new prisoners who are, like, shy, who mm-hmm. are just looking for somebody to show them the ropes, mm-hmm. she could manipulate them. Yep. Yeah, I think she'll get some. Uh, my concern is, because you know how, like, sometimes guards will befriend prisoners? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, didn't the guard recently run off with a prisoner. What? Ooh. Not recently, but like last year. Some female guard ran off with her convict boyfriend. People are so That's dumb. So romantic. Yeah. Oh, or romantic. I think that they I think that they found that she they found her and she like committed suicide in her car or something. Oh, Jesus. I don't know. I'll look it up real quick. But um I mean if they get caught they're gonna be separated forever. Mm-hmm. I think it was more of she didn't want to go to jail. Well, there's that too. But yeah, so my concern is that um, you're fine. My concern is that Lori will be able to like manipulate a uh, guard. Well, mm-hmm. my because her case was so high profile. Don't they put like people in like protective custody or something in prison? That's true. They do that sometimes mm-hmm. if like, they think from... people might try to kill them. I mean, she had to wear a bulletproof vest before her trial, even. Yeah. It's not working, Drew. Oh, oh that is. guard looks insane. Yeah. Well, I think that they just do that. I think they do the bulletproof vest for any kind of... I don't know if it's high profile or if it's just somebody... Because I know that Chad Dorman, the man that shot his three sons, mm-hmm. he was in a hole. Yeah, that's well, thing. something that I like. Yeah, so hmm. sorry. Um, something that I like for purely petty reasons is that in the pictures of Lori when she's receiving her sentence at the sentencing hearing, she finally is looking old. Like she's finally looking like her time in prison is starting to wear on her a little bit, and knowing how much she values her looks. I really just enjoy that. Um, also, she draws on her eyebrows, and they're ugly. Yeah, I think she's doing the best she can with, like, prison makeup. And, you know, not the best. And I, I also... I hope she feels shitty about that, because I want her to feel shitty about something. Is um her hair, like, naturally curly? Because seeing her photos, me like, made me think, like... Do they give, like, curlers and shit to, like, prisoners before they I think it, go to I court? Think it might be curly. I think pictures in the book from when she was a teenager cheering and stuff, I think her hair was kind of curly. Also, like, inmates are very resourceful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I've watched. They, you know, like, that sock hack? Mm-hmm. She'd probably do that. That's true. They're, They're um, 
mm, I forget the name of the like documentary on Netflix, but it was a prison in uh, California, and the inmates figured out how to like essentially like talk through the toilets. I think I saw that because I think I yeah. saw a clip of uh, two of them were like yelling like they were gonna fight each other, and I was like, "You're in jail and you're yelling through a toilet. You need to sort out your yeah. priorities." That's what they. That's what they chose to do with their t- walkie-talkie toilets. <laughs> yeah, threaten each other. Well, and the best part is, like, through those, like, toilets, because it was also, like, they had men and, like, two floors of women. Like, people would have relationships through the toilets. Oh. And, like, yeah. send, like, notes through it by, like, flushing and, like, yeah, it's it's nuts. So, um, Vicky White uh, was employed at the um, Lauderdale County Detention Center where she began a romantic relationship with Casey White. They are not related. The are they married? Very clear on that. No, not related at all. Oh. Just same last name. Interesting. Um, he, they, she kind of like, he, she let him go but then also ran away with him on April 29th and on May 9th on May 9th so they were on the run for 10 days um they the investigators followed up on a tip that led them to an area hotel where they were they decided to flee the scene in a car and this led to a police chase which ended with a crash Vicky decided to shoot herself in the head, whereas Casey decided to give himself up. Okay. The plan was, apparently, that Vicky would kill herself and then Casey would die in a shootout with the police. He did not hold up his end of the bargain. Wow. It's got some commitment issues. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that was sinister. And we were sarcastic. And we hope you keep listening. 